0: everybody welcome to episode 37 of the book cougars two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read i'm emily and i'm chris welcome hello everybody so we wanted to talk about um before we get started and dive in our maurice morris Mm -hmm. B.M. forester read-along yes which we have scheduled to discuss on our march 6th episode which means we will be recording on march 2nd so if anyone who's going to do the read-along with us would like to ask questions or post comments, do that by March 1st. Right. You can do it,
1: you know, email us, Goodreads, whatever avenue you prefer, and we'd love to incorporate your comments and questions in our talk about it.
0: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to reading it. And we will, I think we'll just start the read-along, what do you call it, discussion group on Goodreads okay. as this episode goes live. So any of you overachievers who read it <laughs> next week, feel free to start the discussion. <laughs> I had to I
1: broke down and bought a copy online.
0: Yeah, that's I how I got it. I went to how
1: many? I went to like five or six bookstores and no one had it. Yeah. Yeah, even hard. two really awesome used bookstores that seemed to have a lot of everything didn't have it.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: Time for a, a new edition maybe. Get yeah. this baby out there.
0: Yeah, that's right. Well, maybe our read along would be the inspiration. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Publishers take note. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> so, what are you currently reading, Chris? Well, can we back up? Oh, sure. I'm sorry.
1: I just wanted to say that it's, uh, today the um, Edgar Awards, the nominees were posted.
0: Oh, right. Yeah,
1: just so people know. If you're looking for a good mystery or thriller, check that out. We posted it on our Facebook page, and you can just Google Edgar Awards 2018. Um, and lots of great reading there. And one of the stories from the New Haven Noir collection, edited by Amy Bloom, is one of the short story nominate, nominees. I was happy to see that.
0: I think it's so cool that they nominate short stories. Yeah. You don't it really see is. that very often. Yeah. Just an individual story. Exactly. You know? Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. And I'll put the link to the all of the awards in our show notes too. Um, it will increase your TBR list, Definitely. I guarantee. Yeah.
1: It really will. Yeah. It's a and great I know
0: list. Um, a couple of the mystery
1: reviewers that I follow have, who are, you know, they know every, they have their pulse on the mystery thriller scene for sure even they said wow this is a really stellar list and some books that they hadn't even heard of made it onto that list i think wow. that's that's really kind of telling on how deep the committee looks at what's
0: being published yeah. in that genre and i think oh no never mind i was going to say something there were a couple on there that i was surprised were mysteries anyway mm-hmm. i can't remember what they were but it's interesting i you know cuz what um What's considered
1: a mystery, I think, has really broadened a lot mm-hmm. over the years as different sh- sub-genres have gained in popularity. And then, you know, even a book like The Immortalists, mm-hmm. which is definitely not pitched as a mystery, you know, has that mystery crime element. Right. I mean, anything that has a crime in it is fair game, which is pretty much just about 90% of the books published probably. Like, even Willa Cather's My Antonia, mm-hmm. like, there's a, a murder, couple suicides, you know wow. a a couple other issues going on, so anyway, could yeah. be a kind of a broad blanket. Hmm. A broad blanket? A big blanket? Broad brush strokes? Broad brush strokes, big I don't blanket. Know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <I don't
0: know. laughs> oh gosh. Too <laughs> so funny. So what are you
1: currently reading? Currently reading I just started this morning Jane Harper's new book that's coming out in February. She's the one who wrote The Dry, which, you know, stormed the world uh, the last two years. Uh, Her new book is called Force of Nature. And thank you to Kate, our listener, who sent me her advanced reader copy of this. I started just this morning, just because I had to. um, (laughs) And I'll read you the first two lines, first two or three lines. Later, the four remaining women could fully agree on only two things. One... No one saw the bushland swallow up Alice Russell. And two, Alice had a mean streak so sharp it could cut you. Ooh. So that kind of got me. And then the next line is, the women were late to the
0: rendezvous point. So Ooh. it's uh, it's off to a great start. I'm really looking forward to it. I have this weird memory that maybe you read us the first couple sentences of The Dry. I may have. Yeah, yeah either The Dry or... Maybe and it was, fire came down. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, well, yeah. oh, I'm excited to yeah. hear what you think of it cuz really. you liked the
1: dry so much. I did. I really did. And that was one of those cuz you know, I, my I have an issue with really popular books. Well, we've talked mm-hmm. about it yeah. a lot yeah. that you know, books that are kind of quote overhyped. You come to them with such tremendous expectations and rarely does a book hold up to that.
0: Yeah.
1: In the moment. Right. You know, I think like if you come to it then a couple a couple of years later, a couple of months even When the buzz has died down a bit, you know, it doesn't hold those same expectations.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But also, when you've read one you really like by an author, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's a tough act to follow. Hopefully, she'll. Well, it's off to to a really good start. I like it. So, how about
1: you? What are
0: you reading? I'm reading a book that's totally outside my wheelhouse. I'm in one book club. We meet quarterly, and for the first time ever, I missed our book club last time. Oh, no. And when I tuned back in, they had chosen a book that's <laughs> <laughs> got a serial killer in it, oh, which my. is very different for me. So it's called Jane Steele by Lindsay Faye. And the blurb on the front of it says, Jane Eyre gets a dose of Dexter. Oh, interesting. (laughs) So it's based on Jane Eyre, which I've never read, which I'm feeling like a dunce for never having read. It happens. Yeah. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Maybe I will after this one.
1: Probably it is not. a good book. I liked yeah. it I, yeah. did. I mean i I didn't read it when I was younger or in college or anything. I read it just probably within the last ten years, I think, for the first time, and I liked it a lot,
0: okay yeah. well, she does there's quotes from Jane Eyre at the beginning of each chapter, but other than that, I'm not quite sure how much it emulates it but the, the main character's name is Jane Steele mm-hmm. and um i'm I've really just begun okay. so and I'm listening to it. I'm reading it and listening to it on audio, so more to come on that and I have a cookbook in the works are you reading anything else or can I no continue? go for okay. it I mean
1: I am reading the collect the collected letters of Willa Cather still oh, right. that's yeah. kind of ongoing so yeah
0: so I got a cookbook out um my friend Ryan who works for Apple and is a kind of a iPhone whiz makes these cool videos and posts them and lots of times they're videos of his cooking exploits. And he posted this amazing video the other day of a recipe he made out of this cookbook. So I immediately scurried to the library and got Mm -hmm. myself a copy. And it's called Cooking for Jeffrey. It's the new Ina Garten cookbook. Mm -hmm. She's one of the people I just adore. When I used to have regular TV, I would watch her cooking show. She was one of the early chefs on the Food Network without Mm -hmm. before it was a bunch of contests and hoopla and rigmarole. She just would be in her kitchen cooking on Long Island. She used to have a really cool market on Long Island, which I wish was still in existence because I would love to go on a road trip. But she makes really basic, delicious food. And lots of times she's planning a little dinner party and at the end of the episode, you know, she'll be sitting down to dine with her friends and one of the things I love about her is she's always dressed, like, exactly the same. Like, she has this beautiful uniform of just a crisp, clean shirt. Mm-hmm. And I, I, like I, I feel like there's got to be a blooper reel somewhere of Ina, like, oh, damn, there's, like, a big tomato blob on her boob or something. But never. It's like she's always just cooking away, and her shirt looks perfect, and there's no apron. And. jeez. Oh, Anyway, I love her cooking, and this cookbook is one that where she kind of tells the story of her herself and her husband, Jeffrey, who they've been married for a really long time, and she loves to cook for him. The recipes are divine, they're easy, she doesn't go crazy with, re- with ingredients, which I love, mm-hmm. and um, the pictures are really beautiful. Yeah,
1: they are. What is that dish there?
0: This is spaghetti squash with garlic and Parmesan. Mm. Super, super easy. It's got, what, like six ingredients. That's wonderful. Um, That's and, my
1: kind of cookbook. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and the, the recipe that Ryan made that got me going was just this super easy pasta dish with sausage and fennel. Mm, yum. And if, this is the time of year to be eating pasta and sausage, I'm here to Absolutely. say. Absolutely, yeah. So.
1: And fen- oh. One of the things about pizza here in Connecticut is they don't put fennel in their sausage and mm. they pizza yeah. sausage and it just doesn't taste the same so i don't get it here anymore i don't do sausage
0: you don't or, do sausage not yeah. in connecticut fennel is delicious <laughs> listen to this chicago <laughs> in badmouthing <laughs> connecticut pizza there might be a riot they, hey, t- know they what? take it
1: seriously here wait no i don't remember now if Peppies did have it in there they may have i don't think they did
0: no mm. oh, i'll have to edit this part no, you don't. No? Okay. I, I have a friend. Well, Shuli, the author Shuli, who's been on the podcast, her mother is from Mexico, mm-hmm. and she, as a kid, my one of my fondest memories of her mom is when we would go out to eat. She would always pull out this little container of jalapenos, and yeah. she would just put it on everything. So. Maybe we need to get you a little container of fennel. For my sausage. <laughs> and you can no, just I mean, I don't shake on your pizza. <laughs> I don't eat a ton of meat, but you know. My classic pizza sausage, mushroom,
1: and onion. But, That's anyway,
0: pretty good. Sorry. I didn't That's mean okay. to take over this. No. So I highly recommend it. I will report back. I have not cooked out of it yet. I'm intending to this weekend. Cooking for Jeffrey by Ina Garten. And then Aunt Ellen gave me this wonderful little book for the holidays. And I forgot to mention it. And it's another very famous chef um, Marcella Hazan or I don't know if it's Marcella Hazan I can't remember and Victor Hazan oh. she's another chef that was very very famous unfortunately she passed away before this book was published but it's called Ingrediente it's this beautiful little book I would I would call it a coffee table book but that would make you think it's like it's big, a big yeah. book but what I mean by that is it's a book you're just going to want to set on your coffee table because it's literally all about her guide to the market and what how you shop for different sorts of things what you look for she has olive oils she has a whole section on salumi which is like italian meats Mm -hmm. she has a picture of a pig i hope that doesn't freak anybody out with the different cuts of meat which i love it's just a really really cool reference book um it doesn't have it has these kind of how would you say that chris like a little
1: Yeah, it's like a little line drawing, maybe,
0: of the ingredients. But there's not like other cookbooks, not big photos or anything like that. But it's kind of green, yeah, like a
1: light green color. They're not black and white. Yeah,
0: so it's a great reference book if you know someone who enjoys food um, and likes to shop for food, or likes to read about kind of esoteric vegetables. It would be a wonderful gift, which is why on Ellen New to buy it for me. Nice. <laughs> so, Ingrediente by Marcella Hazan and Victor Hazan, which is her husband. Nice. I um,
1: was watching Orange is the New Black last mm-hmm. night. I'm slowly making my way through the current season. Cause, um, and one of the characters had taken another character's cookbook, and she had it in a stack there, and the character says, hey, is that my cookbook? She's like, oh, yeah, sorry, I took it. She's like, I like to look at the pictures. It makes me feel like I'm eating.
0: Oh. And the woman
1: says, That's the point of a cookbook. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that's awesome. I really like that. because yeah. I I usually get hungry reading a cookbook mm-hmm. but I think it's they're beautiful to look at and
0: Yeah. Well also for me, I love to cook. I mean it truly is my favorite thing mm-hmm. probably after reading to do. I don't always like to think about what to make. Okay. So that's what I love about a cookbook. It just inspires you. And even mm-hmm. if I don't follow the recipe per se, I'll, I'm already thinking, like, oh, sausage and fennel. Of course, those go together. I should go buy a bulb of fresh fennel and mm-hmm. put it in a pan with some sausage and make some pasta. You know, nice. so it's the idea part that I really enjoy. Because yeah. I find that I go to the grocery store and buy the same ingredients over and over mm-hmm. and kind of have my go to things that I make. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. especially when I was cooking for my kids. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, Cook one new thing this week, you know, and then eat it all week, which is what I like to do, or freeze it, or whatever, so.
1: Gosh, I think my favorite, my second favorite thing to do after reading might be shopping for office supplies, which (laughs) I got to do last night. It was fun. (laughs) I did, too. Did you really? Where Where did you go? I I went to the Staples in Middletown.
0: I was at the Staples in Brantford. Wow, look at that. We could have gone on a joint (laughs) job to the office (laughs) supply store, and that is so funny, because I was walking around like... Smelling it, I love the office supply store, but it's yeah. a very dangerous place. For Absolutely, you to go. it is. So, just read. Just what read. have you just read? I read this sweet little book that my friend Amelia sent to me for my birthday, and it's called *My Friend Fear: Finding Magic in the Unknown* by Mira Lee Patel. It is such a beautiful book. She's a watercolor artist. Look at that. So all of the pages, like, she's even painted the background of the pages. That's cool. And then painted some of the, well, I guess some of the text is in, you know, just regular print, but some of it is in her handwriting. Mm-hmm. And um, ironically, I finally got to the book page magazine that you brought me Mm -hmm. last night and there's a section on you know meet Mira Lee Patel who is this artist. Um, She's super young and she was raised um, by immigrant parents who really wanted her to be you know a doctor or a lawyer or something like that and I think she became an engineer but her passion was always art. Mm -hmm. So at some point she just decided it was time she actually moved to Nashville which is where my friend lives and her friend knows her which is how this book got to become into my hands and um, she really just talks about facing your fears that in order to progress through them you really need to face them Mm -hmm. and her and she talks about her own experience with it and it really moved me it's a very quick read but it's really enjoyable And I also found that even though it's not a graphic novel, that I had to kind of force myself. Because I'm so drawn to words specifically, which is why I struggle with graphic novels. Yeah. I had to just stop on every page and say, okay, you read the words. Now look at the beauty of the page. Yeah, it's hard. (laughs) Yeah, it (laughs) is. I'm the same way. Are you? Yeah, I am. Yeah. So I really do recommend it. It would make a sweet little gift for somebody, which is, you know, obviously how I got it. Um, My friend Fear. Finding Magic in the Unknown by Mira Lee Patel.
1: It makes me think of one called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway Mm. by Susan Jeffers. It is a self-help book. It's definitely all text, (laughs) Um, but about, you know, kind of breaking through your fear, Mm. pursuing what you want to do even though though you have fear. And that book, I think, was like from the 80s or 90s. I know Jeffers passed away, too, just a couple years ago.
0: Well, it also reminded me of a book I know we both read Last year, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, Mm -hmm. when I was reading it, it reminded me of some of her passages about, because a lot of also becoming or being more involved in your creativity, which is what Lee Patel was focused on in this book about becoming an artist Mm -hmm. and, you know, taking the leap to be a full-time artist, you know, that you have to face those fears in order to get to the creativity part. Right. And I remember Elizabeth Gilbert talking about that a lot yeah. in that book as well.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a big theme in creativity yes. books. <laughs>
0: yeah, The War of
1: Art, I know, is another one that talks about the resistance that you have and breaking mm-hmm. through that. Hmm. Anyway, my book that I just read, I did finally read uh, Smilla's Sense of Snow by Peter Haag. I really loved it. It was... A surprising book in many ways. I, I posted it on Facebook that I was reading it, and one of my friends that I worked with at Borders, like, I think in 2000, 2001 maybe, she's like, oh my God, I can't believe you haven't read that yet. And I said in response, I was like, you're probably the one who recommended it to me. And I'm pretty sure she was all those years ago because she knew I loved snow and, and all things winter. But what I didn't realize about this book, it's snow and ice, but it's also, it also has a lot of ship action. Mm. which is really cool because I love ships. Yeah. So that was neat to read about. The only thing, um, I, I kind of felt like the, the first part of the novel was really, no, I wouldn't say like linear, but it was a story. It was a setup. Um, Smilla, it starts with this young boy who falls slash jumps off of a roof. He dies. And she was a friend of his in the same apartment building. He was a neglected boy whose mom was a drug addict. So she kind of you know took care of them here and there. Her profession is she's a scientist who specializes in snow and ice and, and cold basically. And this is in Copenhagen. She grew up in Greenland. Very. Uh, her mom was a, a hunter, a, a semi nomadic hunter. So she grew up really reading the snow and the ice and having this profound sense of location, and knowing distances and wind shapes and things like that. Wind shapes. Anyway, the, sure. the action of wind <laughs> okay. on the, the snow and ice and things like that. So, so I like that part of it very much. Um, but she knows something's wrong with this whole situation. The authorities, it's an open and closed case for them. She knows that this kid didn't fall or jump. For a variety of reasons. So the mystery starts taking off from there. She asks a lot of questions. She meets a lot of people. And, of course, starts getting into, quote, trouble for that. She reminded me a little bit of Elizabeth Salander mm. from um, Stieg Larsson's The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And this book did come out. I came out um, probably a good, like, ten years before that series. Uh, yeah, this is 1992 when it was first published. And The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, I think, was 2005. But I can definitely imagine that Stieg Larson probably read this book and liked it. um, Mm. Because Smilla is, she's a loner. She's an outsider. She is really tough. But she's not exactly, I mean, she's tough. She has tenacity. She deals with being alone a lot. But she's not exactly like physically fit and buff or anything like that. So the physical hardship she goes through, you can really kind of feel as Mm. like a regular person having to deal with you know, say, getting off of a ship that's been set on fire and things like that. So I don't want to give away a lot of the plot. But the first part of the book I really liked, and then towards the like the middle part and the, towards the end, there were about 100 pages or so where I kind of felt like, oh, okay, hmm. let's go. It started feeling a little bit more like it was just a series of episodes, hmm. and you don't always know what's going on or who's where, which doesn't necessarily bother me if, when that happens, but... It, It just seemed to be happening a little bit too much. Like, maybe an editor could have been Mm. a little bit more involved in helping the story along. But then it picked up at the end, and I really enjoyed it. And there was a movie made.
0: Mm -hmm. I was going to ask
1: you if you saw it. Yeah, I tried to look for it last night, and it wasn't available streaming at all. Mm. Hence, I ended up watching um, Orange is the New Black. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, But, yeah, I do want to get my hands on a
0: copy of the movie because it looks really good, and there are a lot of really great people in that movie. Yeah. So. I, have a, I have a vague memory of it, but I don't know if it's from just watching a preview or if I actually mm-hmm. ever saw the movie. Because okay. that time period is when I was raising my kids and it's all just one big old blur, mm-hmm. you know, for movies and television and stuff like that. But I do remember there was a very beautiful actress that starred as her. I mean, yeah, I can't think I of I her name. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, she was in, she might have even been the same woman who was in The English Patient. No, no, not, it's not her. No. okay. No, well, I know Vanessa Redgrave is in there. Oh wow! A couple other major actors. Uh, <laughs> this is so bad, but the guy who played Dumbledore, mm-hmm. oh, Richard yeah. Harris. Yeah, I always think of him as King Arthur from Camelot. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it, it was a really good read. I'm so glad I read it. And when you and I went on our joint jaunt, I found two more books of his, of uh, Peter Hague's, so I I picked those up too because I'm interested in in his writing, because I like the the, he has a lot of philosophical reflections in there too Mm -hmm. and sometimes they were a little bit dramatic, and that got a little bit old after Mm -hmm. a while too but they're just some beautiful ones, and I I took a bunch of notes uh, that I'll eventually write up and do something with. Nice. Yeah, so again that
0: is Smillo's Sense of Snow. By Peter Haig. And I read the book that Chris gave me through the Little Free Library. Oh, yay! (laughs) The Heart's Invisible Furies by John Boyne. This was a book that a lot of people were waxing poetic about last year, and I saw it appear on several people's top ten lists for the year as well. Um, It's very John Irving-esque, so if you're a John Irving fan, I think you would like this book a lot. As a matter of fact, he dedicates the book to John Irving, and I'm assuming it's the one and only John Irving, I could be wrong. Um, And it it covers a time span of 1945 to 2015. Um, It covers geographically from Ireland to Amsterdam to New York City, back to Ireland. Um, It definitely gave me a hankering to go back to Ireland, which was a country that I loved. But it is... um, you know, it's it's John Irving esque in the sense that it it covers a lot of territory, which is what his stories do. It interweaves characters, and you also have to suspend disbelief about coincidence. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of coincidence of characters kind of running back into each other and things like that. But I really love that because I think that actually that does really happen in yeah, life a lot. Yeah. So I don't, I personally don't think you have to suspend disbelief. I've seen read a lot of reviews where people have said that. In my life, I've had very strange coincidences happen, so I'm a believer. But anyway, the main character um, is um, a gay man. And so in Ireland, I learned a lot about homosexuality and how it's treated in Ireland and the importance of priests, of course, in Ireland and and Catholicism, which is something that I knew existed, but I've never read about it with this, you know... Perspective. Perspective. Yeah. And, you know, um, so for example, the very first part one is called Shame. Mm -hmm. you know which gives you some insight so i understand why you had mentioned why you put it in the little free library was you just had hesitation about you know walking down that path in a book again yet again and i can totally understand it there were some really difficult scenes a lot of abuse you know to people homosexuals you know a Mm -hmm. lot of violence towards them but the story is generally about this young man's mother was impregnated and had to give him up for adoption. And so it's the story of his birth parents, I'm sorry, his um, adoptive parents, and then also kind of his life, He does run into his birth mother, but doesn't know it's his birth mother throughout the time that it's happening. Mm -hmm. And as his world expands, eventually all these characters kind of come back together. And the part that I liked about that is it's very reflective of what really does happen now. Because it spanned all the way to 2015, and there are families now that are very... um, What's the word you use for it? Mixed families? You know, you have... Two fathers and two mothers, or you know, parents who a homo- or yeah. heterosexual couple who had children and then get divorced and then one of them marries a same sex partner and then you have so it was very true to form with that. I mm-hmm. thought you know at the end blended family. blended. Thank blended. you. Yeah, I was trying to think. I, like, I can't think of the word. I'm just
1: thinking fluid. Fluid yeah. is more of a gender. sexual gender yeah. thing these days. Yeah. Fluid. Yeah.
0: No, blended. Thank blended you. Blended fluid. Yes. <laughs> fluidly blended. <laughs> um I really enjoyed it. I highly recommend it. I got completely lost in the story and missed the characters. It's one of those you close the book and it's like, "Oh. Okay, that's cool. Where's the second book?" Yeah. So, um The yes. Heart's Invisible Furies by John Boyne. And also, he's the person who the author who wrote The Boy in the Striped Pyjamas, mm-hmm. which is a YA novel. I saw the yeah. movie, I didn't read the book, but I'm interested in yeah. doing that.
1: Now. I read the book, I didn't see the movie, mm-hmm. so yeah. I liked it. And yeah. then I read
0: The Absolutists mm-hmm.
1: of his. That was a World War I-era novel. with a, There's a another gay character, two gay characters, they're soldiers, and a lot of people who read the review and wrote about it didn't mention that the, two, the characters were gay. Mm-hmm. Because it's a, a, one of those books, I think, written maybe with the intention of Getting heterosexual people to read a book with homosexual characters. Mm. Because it doesn't happen a whole lot, mm. you know? Mm. So I don't think it was like a, a necessarily a shocking thing, but it was probably true to life too that in that time period mm-hmm. you didn't know and then the story happens. And it's at the end of the book I was like, Holy fuck. Something that happens. Really intense. Oh. Really believable though, I think.
0: All right. So I totally read Absolutist. So. Absolutist, John Boyne.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. I also read My Antonia. I did finish that. I think I was reading it again the last time, mm-hmm. so I finished it. Uh, and we had the book discussion, so it's really good.
0: Love it. So, should we move on to Biblio Adventures so you can sure. talk about discussing Well, yeah. Discussing we it? had our book club, book club, book club. We had our Willow Cather book club
1: meet at the book club bookstore in Moore in South Windsor. <laughs> that is a mouthful. That is a mouthful. Um, but we had a great turnout. There were ten of us talking about the book. Um some people hadn't read Cather yet, but had always, you know, or heard about her for a long time and wanted to. And others had have read some of her books. And then two of the people who came hadn't read anything by her. And they didn't finish the book. They had a hard time getting into it. Mm. But I was like so pleased that they came because I think that really shows that they're willing to stretch themselves as readers and and try something new. Because uh, it is it's a novel that doesn't have a lot of plot mm. per se. So it does there's not anything that really propels the reader through. It's more of a series of vignettes in a lot of ways of memories. Um, But we had a great conversation, and those two people said they're going to carry on and read the book and and try the next one as well. So it was a great, great time.
0: I think some people, I mean, this happens to me at book club, that, you know, sometimes your perspective of a book can certainly change after discussing Mm -hmm. it. But I think some people kind of, it it almost means more to them to read it after they've had a discussion about it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. it'll be interesting to see what they think, Mm -hmm. what else they have to say at your next meeting, you know, after they finish. Yeah. Had any of them were any of them Catherites like you and just you know? I don't her think anybody.
1: I don't know if they're as obsessed, um, but they're fans for sure. Yeah. And had
0: anyone read the book before? Like, was this a, a couple reread of them
1: of had? I think probably at least two of them had read it in the past. Nice. That's exciting they were happy to to revisit it. And, yeah. And what's interesting too, and this happens with a lot of classics out there. Since these books are no longer copyrighted, anybody can take the book, type it up, format it, and sell it online. So there are a lot of books floating around out there that don't have the proper, the prologue to the Mm. book, which is actually part of the novel that sets up the narrative structure of the book. Hmm. And so one of the women there had a print-on-demand book, that didn't have that so when we were starting to talking about the book she's like well what wait who what because she didn't have that And even in this case um my Antonia first came out in 1918 and in a subsequent edition Cather totally changed well not totally she made revisions to that prologue which changed some of the context of looking at the narrator a little bit so it's fun to compare those two prologues as well but Anyway, so if you're buying a book online or in a bookstore even, I would say try to stick with a reputable publisher, Mm, you know, like the vintage classics or Oxford or Penguin or something like that, because you want to make sure you get what's supposed to be in there. And then you usually have a nice introduction Mm -hmm. or an afterwards by a scholar or somebody who's well-versed in, you know, that author or the time period or something.
0: So why wouldn't the print-on-demand have the prologue if it was part of the book? Who knows? Because cause I think a lot of the people who do these types of
1: selling schemes, I call it a scheme, I think, because mm-hmm. I don't think they're doing a service. I just think they're trying to make a buck. They don't mm. understand the novel. I think mm. they they see chapter one, and that's what they go um, from. So, you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, maybe printing fewer pages, they make more money or whatever. Who knows, yeah. yeah. I mean, in the print on this one book was so teeny tiny, too. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, painful. Yeah, so, I can't do that anymore. Yeah.
1: Anyway, we had a really good conversation. Our next talk, our next get-together is going to be April, I think the 19th. And we'll be discussing The Song of the Lark. Nice. Yeah.
0: Very exciting. Well, we had a joint jaunt. We did, finally. The, woo! Woo! <laughs> We set off for one destination, though, and, and well, we were going to go to two, Yeah, and we got to one, yes. so that's yeah. okay, but we, we had a great one. time. Yeah.
1: So yeah. we never made it to the uh, Noah Webster house that day that we had planned. That's still going to happen at some point, <laughs> um, but what we did do was we, we, on the way, went to Whitlock's Book Barn, which is in Bethany. And had a nice little biblio
0: browse, Yeah. There. It, we had a little trouble finding it. <laughs> we, we we went on a little, down a little country road. It's a little tricky to find. Yeah. And
1: I had found it once upon a time when they were closed. Mm. And I didn't even, I didn't have time to go in then. But it was summer. And this, when we went, it was, it's winter, obviously. And there's snow on the ground and everything looked really different. we came from a different way, too. Right. Down this... Weird road with no street signs, and we took a left hand turn and we were following some guy who was walking with his dogs, <laughs> who finally turned around and looked at us <laughs> and, he, and then what are you doing? yeah I, I think he was wondering if we were going to harass him for walking on the property because they I think they were like uh, private yeah. pro- anyway, no, he no, was like we um, were just
0: driving on private property right. but. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we called we ended up calling them, and the woman gave us some perfect ins- directions, and we got there and it's it's on a property that used to be a turkey farm. Yes. So yeah. th- it's actually in these barns. Yeah, it's two barns. So yeah. the, the
1: first barn, the, the main barn, is a really low, long barn that used to be the turkey barn. And that has books and prints in it that are a little bit more uh, upscale. Pricier, was yeah. the right word.
0: Well, she said five dollars or more. Yeah, I think.
1: something like that. Yeah, because um, they're also they're known for books and prints, so they do have a lot of prints. They had a lot of postcards, which I love. Yeah, and then the other barn is a little higher up on the land, and that has cheaper books, like I guess five dollars and below.
0: Right. Yeah, and that had I just I just totally forgot until we started talking about it. It they they had no restroom available. I really need to go to the bathroom. And this second barn had this sound running through. I hope you guys can hear that. (laughs) That,
1: That's no joke. That's snow melting off the roof down the side of the building right there in what the M's. The S's section of fiction.
0: Oh, you could hear it through the whole barn. I'm here to tell you, when you have to go to the bathroom, you can't. I was like, are you kidding me? Anyway, yeah, sorry. Slight diversion. But We even captured that in a photo, which we'll be happy to post. <laughs> Uh, I have a hard time thinking when I need to go to the bathroom, which is sharing way too much information. But um, anyway, yeah, that was in the upper barn. The sound of a brook as you were yes. searching for books. Yeah. And we spent you know a couple hours. We did, hour. did we? Yeah. Like it went by really fast, yeah. and then so we were hungry
1: after that. Right. And then we realized what time the Webster House closes. Which and we were early. and we were an hour away from it still. Yeah. So we decided to turn around and head back to town and try the new Indian restaurant. Right. Which is
0: really delicious. It was delicious, yeah. which we've been wanting to try for months. Yeah. So so we didn't get all the way up to the Noah Webster. Maybe next time we'll just go yeah, directly right there, there. Yeah, because yeah, it is, as Chris said, it's an hour away. And we thought we were driving closer to it when we got to Whitlock's, but instead it was pretty much the same distance. Yes, still, so. yeah. It
1: was a little bit further west. Yeah than i thought anyway in my mind
0: but that's where you picked up the two peter
1: hagg peter yeah Hanks. yeah they so. were right above the shelf there like right there like just hanging out yeah. i wasn't even i actually had a list of authors i was going to look for and they didn't have anything by any of them but i saw that and i thought okay i can make an exception
0: including maurice you were looking for right yeah, yeah. that was or the Morris. main thing maurice
1: yeah. maurice yeah totally and Carson McCullers, boy, she's hard to find these days.
0: Yeah. Everybody
1: has the hardest lonely hunter, but nothing else mm-hmm. by her. So I don't know what I'll have to do about that. Maybe just
0: hit the library. Yeah, that works. Yeah. I'm assuming they have more, probably. Or if nothing, interlibrary loan, I would think mm-hmm. you'd be able to get some. Yeah, totally.
1: All right, and I did more volunteer time at the Institute Library. I'm cataloging the bibli uh, biography section. Oh, fine. Yeah, so everybody who's volunteering, is, they, I think, have chosen different sections, so we're trying to get that all up on a library thing so members can see the holdings and request books and whatnot. That's great. Yeah. I love it. Upcoming Johns. What do you have going on? Do you have anything
0: coming up other than um, the big yeah the big event big event next week? <laughs> Book Cougars are hosting Minjin Lee at R J Julia Booksellers in mm-hmm. Madison. We're very excited. Looking forward to that. That's at yeah. seven o'clock next Thursday. Right, and then I am hoping to take my gentleman caller to the R J Julia in Wesleyan because mm-hmm. that's about midpoint for the two of us for mm-hmm. where we live. There's um this is kind of a mouthful, but. The author's name is Jeffers Lennox, and his new book is Homelands and Empires in Indigenous Spaces, Imperial Fictions, and Competition for Territory in Northeastern North America, 1690 to 1763, which kind of seems right up his alley. Mm -hmm. And he's a professor at Wesleyan, so I'm sure he's very knowledgeable in this very specific (laughs) area so I'm hoping um we've only been to one book event together and it was the Anna Quinlan event and so I've been looking for something that's um more history based because that's what he likes yeah. yeah and this sounds really good nice
1: very cool. yeah. I was just there yesterday because after I left the book club bookstore, I stopped there mm-hmm. coming home because it's on the way. And then I hit the Staples
0: store, which I didn't know they had one up there. Yeah, downtown. I didn't
1: either.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's is such a nice store up there. It really is. They have nice spaces. Did you stop mm-hmm. and um, eat anything at the restaurant there? Or did no. Did you just keep going? Yeah. No. Yeah.
1: Well, I was coming home for dinner. So yeah. yeah. Nice. What about upcoming reads? Upcoming reads, I want to read Free Food for Millionaire by mention Lee mm. so that is after I finish force of nature i I have to decide whether to dive into that or maybe to wait till after we have the event with mm-hmm. her. I'm not sure, yeah, yeah,
0: I know I was hoping to do a slight little reread of Pachinko mm-hmm. before, which is not. I mean, it would have to be a skim because it's such a beautifully well written, dense book that I yeah. know I couldn't completely reread it between mm-hmm. now and next Thursday. But right. um, I do want to revisit the characters and everything. Yeah. You know?
1: I so, know, yeah. yeah. I'd like to do that too. You know, I just realized too um, there is a, a biblio adventure in February, February 17th to the 18th, the Pequot Library. Remember the one uh-huh. we went to in Southport that yeah. has a great library sale? They're having a mid-winter book sale.
0: Really? Yes. So it must just be inside unless October they're getting heated to tents, the 18th, yeah. right? Because they had so many outdoor tents at like that one.
1: Yeah. Maybe you can heat so, tents. I don't know. That seems like 17 a... 17th to the 18th if we want to go. that's cool. a Saturday and a Sunday.
0: Okay, I'm game. That's beautiful down there. Well, my upcoming read is um, one that I saw Alice Hoffman tweet about Hmm. yesterday, who I have confessed before. She's one of my favorite authors, so if she's reading something, I want to (laughs) know. And it's called The Versions of Us by Laura Barnett. And it's a a UK author and book that was popular, I think, a couple years ago. So I had no problem getting it um, an e copy of it from the library. Mm -hmm. So again, that's called *The Versions of Us* by Laura Barnett, and I will be digging into that one after I get through this serial killer Jane (laughs) Steele book. Hopefully, there's not too much blood and guts. So, wow,
1: this is a quick episode today. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Happy Happy reading. Thanks so much for listening to The Book Cougars with Emily Fine and Chris Wallach. If you have questions or comments, please feel free to email us at bookcougars at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Book Cougars. Please consider leaving us a review on whatever app you use to listen to us it can help other listeners find us thank you